Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up from Evo. Welcome to Bumpy Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We are going to be joined by one of our good friends, Justin Perry. He does a great job over there at Shot Quality Bets. He is going to be joining me to take a look at what we're all getting on this Sunday slate. And we're going to be taking a look at just why, if you're someone that is handicapping football, which obviously it is beginning to be that time of year. First real major college football Saturday, week zero. I mean, they call it week zero for a reason. They should really call it something else. Because those of you guys who bet on week zero, you know that it was not a zero impact if you want to betting on those games as to whether or not you want to making or losing money. So... You got to do away with that naming, but that's a discussion for a different podcast on a different day. But with that said, why you should just stay stick with baseball. If you've been going at it for four plus months and you've been taking a look at all these games, you still have edges. Why did just not completely tank on baseball when the going is getting good? And then I'm going to be taking a look at Sunday's games in the final segment as I give you guys picks and analysis on every single game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways, we all throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Name does not matter. As per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. 
Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a very interesting day of baseball on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Pitching was not at its best out in the desert for Corbin Burns, but the Brewers get him off the hook. Eight to six. The Brewers get it done in 10 innings as Corbin Burns. Sal giving up at least five runs in each out of his last three starts. He gives up five in five and two-thirds innings, including a home run, as Dalton Varsho goes deep for home run number 19 of the season. Bullpen from there was good. Peter Strzelski, Brent Suter, Devin Williams, Taylor Rogers, all wind up landing a scoreless setting as Brad Boxberger gave up a run in a third of an inning as well. But for the Milwaukee Brewers, a bunch that they were down 6-4 going into the top of the eighth, they wind up getting home runs at the right time as Tyrone Taylor, he gets two in this one. 14th and 15th of the campaign, and Rowdy Tellez in the ninth inning. Goes deep for home run number 28 of the season off of Ian Kennedy. Descended to extras. Kennedy gives up a solo home run in an inning. That's a bummer earner who had given up five plus runs at each out of his last six starts as well. He gives up three runs, two of which were earned in five innings. So, an improvement for him. Middleton gives up one of those home runs to Taylor. One run surrendered in an inning. Kevin Ginkle lends a scoreless inning as you have Caleb Smith and Reyes Mananta combined for an inning. Smith wanted giving up a run along the way, but Joe Mantiply, he gives up a home run in the 10th inning to Taylor, and then Luis Frias. He winds going a third of an inning scoreless as Mantiply gives up two runs, one of which was earned along the way for him. It's like a complete utter calamity in that game. You know what else is a calamity? Where's the Yankees' offense went? They have now scored four runs or fewer, and I believe now 18 out of their last 22 games. 2-1, to one, the Tampa Bay Rays take them down as Clark Schmidt gives you four and a third innings, giving up two runs. Could have been worse there, and the bullpen did their part. Lou Trevino, Ron Metanacchio, combined two scoreless innings. Jonathan Luizga, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Aaron Judge got home run number 52 of the season off of Jason Adam, but that was a lone form of offense this Yankees team had as they got three as Adam gives up that home run in an inning, but Corey Kluber has just owned the Yankees this season. Seven scoreless innings. Pete Fairbanks a scoreless inning as well, so the Rays get two runs, and those two runs were enough to be able to get the job done. The Orioles, they only allowed one. They take down the Oakland A's by a count of 8-1, to one, and all of a sudden, things in the American League playoff picture, especially the wild card, they are getting very interesting as the Orioles they are currently a game and a half back when it comes to wild card and the race, by the way. Four games out of first place in the American League East. So that shows you just what things are like there. But for the Baltimore Orioles, you wind up having a whole bunch of deep balls. Anthony Sondonaire, home run number 25 of the season. Adelie Rushman, home run number 9 of the season. Cedric Mullins, number 13. And Ryan McCastle, home runs number 20 and 21. As four of those home runs given up by Adam Aller. He was a hollering to get out of this game. Six runs surrendered over the course of five innings, including four jacks. Zach Lowe gives up a run in an inning. Same for Austin Pruitt and Kirby Seed. He gives you a scoreless inning for the Baltimore Orioles, though. Very solid performance all the way around. Austin both does not wind up lasting long. I think they left due to an ailment. One run surrendered in three and a third innings. But then from there, Keegan Aiken, two scoreless innings. Cino Perez, a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Joey Crebio, DL Turnitup Hall, along with Nick Vespi. They all lend a scoreless inning. Our DK Nation pick hits in one of the strangest ways ever. If you've now been laying to win $100 on these money lines of minus $3 or more, you're down about $1,400 this year. The Washington Nationals, as north of a $3 underdog behind the turkey tosser himself, Patrick Corbin, get it done by a count of 7-1. DK Nation pick was on the over of 7.5. I thought it was going to go the exact opposite way where the Mets were the team that wanted putting up 7, but with that said, you know what? It hits regardless, so you don't apologize about a bet that winds up winning, but for the Washington Nationals, a 5 spot in the ninth inning. 
One of the most hilarious beats that you're going to find all season long as for the best. I mean, Max Scherzer did his part. Probably was pulled a little bit too early after 67 pitches. He winds up giving up a solo home run along the way as going deep. You did wind up having Mr. Luis Garcia get home run number six of the season. I'm pretty sure, by the way, that Max Scherzer was dealing with a little bit of an ailment. This was due to side fatigue, which I know that he's been dealing with a little bit earlier in the season. So Tommy Hunter, Yoli Rodriguez, they both wanted to score the saying and then Adebanovino, he gives up his little home run in an inning as Elaine Thomas winds up going deep off of him. Home run number 15 of the season then Adonis Medina. He gets one out. He gives up five runs, four of which were earned before you wind up getting a pair of outs out of the bullpen for Bryce. Montes de Osa. I've never heard of him before in my life. And for the Mets, they're the lone form of offense. Eduardo Escobar, home run number 14 of the season off of Patrick Corbin, who gives up that sole run and nothing else over the course of seven innings. He's now giving up three runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts. Carwoods Jr., Arasimo Ramirez, they come in. They both throw a scoreless thing. Blue Jays pitching winds up getting it done. 4-1. to They wind up taking down the Pittsburgh Pirates as the Jays wind up going just 1-11 of 11 with men in scoring position, but they did wind up doing enough to be able to get it done thanks to a Oniel Cruz throwing errors. Ronzi Contreras, he winds up giving up one run over the course of six innings, and then Dwayne Underwood, he threw this game down the toilet. Giving up three runs over the course of two-thirds of an inning. Robert Stevenson, four outside the bullpen, scoreless. Many Benuelos, a scoreless inning himself, but... How about this from a bullpen game for the Toronto Blue Jays? Trevor Richards, the opener, he winds up going two scoreless innings. Of course, the lone run was given up by Yusei Kikuchi in two and a third innings, though he did punch out five. And then from there, Yumi Garcia, one and two thirds innings scoreless. Anthony Bass, Tameza, they combine for three outside the bullpen scoreless. Adam Simber, Jordan Romano, they both lend a scoreless inning. Being able to lend a lot of scoreless innings as well, that'd be the Kansas City Royals, but they put up a lot of offense of their own. 12 to 2, they wind up taking down the Detroit Tigers as you wind up having a quadrant of home runs in this game as you wind up having two come off of the starter, Michael Pineda, Bobby Witt Jr., his 20th home run of the season, then Nick Prato, his seventh home run of the season. For there, NJ Belendez, home run number 15 of the campaign off of Daniel Norris and Jason Foley, gives one up to Kyle Isbell. Home run number four of the campaign for Pineda, gives up five runs in four innings, including two home runs. Jason Foley gives up four runs in a third of an inning, including one of those bombs, Daniel Norris. Three runs surrendered and two and two-thirds innings, including a bomb, as you wind up having Jose Cicero on a scoreless inning, and Cody Clements. He's actually putting together a nice pitching vlog. He winds up getting a scoreless inning as for the Detroit Tigers. Tucker Barnard gets his first home run since I think dinosaurs were roaming the earth. His first of the season. That comes off of John Easley. Who during a great start. Two runs surrendered over the course of seven innings before Wyatt Mills cleans it up. He's able to end two scoreless innings. The Boston Red Sox get to the Texas Rangers. 5-3 to three, the finalists. The Red Sox are starting to play a little bit of better baseballs. Brian Bayo, Six scoreless innings. Garrett Woodlock was actually the man that wanted giving up everything for the Boston Red Sox. Three runs surrendered over the course of two innings, including a pair of ding-dongs as Marcus Simeon, 21st home run of the season. Nate Lowe gets low for home run number 23 of the season. From there, John Schreiber and Matt Barnes combined for three outs out of the bullpen scoreless to be able to get the win, and the Red Sox win this game despite going 1-14 with Bendon scoring position thanks to three errors by the Texas Rangers in their bullpen game. Koji Iahara, he gives up two runs, one of which was earned no help from the fielding for him. You wind up having Brock Burke, Brett Martin both give you two a scoreless inning apiece. Taylor earned two scoreless innings, and then Dennis Santana, he gives up a run in two innings, and he winds up taking the loss. The San Francisco Giants, they take down the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 5-4 as the Phillies, 
They get a home run off the bat of Bryson Stott, his ninth home run season. That comes off Jacob Junis. He gives up three runs to him to earn over the course of four and a third innings. As both starters out after four and a third innings. As no Thor Syndergaard gives up four runs, three of which were earned. And both bullpens weren't too bad. Brian and he gives up a run in an inning. But Andrew Bellotti, Jose Alvarado, both on his scoreless inning. Connor Brogdon, pair of outs on the bullpen for this Philadelphia Phillies team. And then for the San Francisco Giants, you wind up having a run in one and a third inning surrendered by Scott Alexander. Zach Liddell, he gets an out of the bullpen before John Brebbia, Jarlin Garcia, Alex Young, along with Camilio Duvall. They pretty much daisy-chained together. Three scoreless settings as the Giants. They had opportunities all game long. They go 5 of 19 with men in scoring position to be able to get this one to the window. Being able to get this one to the window very easily is the LA Dodgers. 12 to 1 the finalists for the San Diego Padres. Sean Manea's no good, terrible, bad year continues. Eight runs surrendered in four and a third innings as the Dodgers go deep off of them three times. Mookie Betts, 33rd home run season. Trey Turner down for what? 19th home run season. Justin Turner down for what? 10th home run of the season. And then you wind up having Will Smith go deep for home run number 20 of the season off of Reese. Canaru winds up getting five outs and he gives up four runs off which were earned Tim Hill and Will Myers, position player. They both come in for a scoreless inning. The lone thing that Julio Arias gave up was a home run to Manny Machado. 26th home run season as the Padres. They get two hits in this one, so so much for trading for so much offense at the trade deadline as Urias. He winds up giving up that home run over the course of six innings. Blake Tryon, welcome back. He, Craig Kimbrell, and this guy's building up a little bit of an arsenal as well. And Sir Alberto. They all lend a scoreless inning. Rockies versus Reds. That's a game that wanted getting postponed. The White Sox, they put a hurting on the Minnesota Twins. 13-0 the final. Dylan Cease looking to get back into the Cy Young hunt. This is a game that's going to be able to do it. He allows one hit in nine scoreless settings for a complete game on the White Sox. They just completely pummeled the Minnesota Twins. Elvis Sanders, home run number 10 of the season off of position player Nick Gordon. And then you do wind up having Aron Sanchez give it up to... Ronnie Gonzalez for his first home run season. Eli Menace. He goes deep for number nine of the season for off of Tyler Molly and Molly, who was coming off the injured list. This was not what he was looking for. Gives up four runs over the course of two innings. Aron Sanchez, three runs surrendered in five innings. And poor Nick Gordon. His ERA is now 22.09. He gives up six runs in two-thirds of an inning before he needs a reliever. And Gervais Palacios, the backup shortstop to relieve. The position player, which I just find that to be hilarious. What else was hilarious was the amount of runs put up by the St. Louis Cardinals. 8-4 to four the final. They take down the Chicago Cubs as Drew Smiley. He got seven outs, and he gave up seven runs, all of which were earned, including a trio of bombs. Paul Goldschmidt, home run number 34 of the season. Tommy Edmond, home run number 13. Tyler O'Neill, home run number 13 of the season. From there, the bullpen wasn't bad. You did wind up having one run in two-thirds of an inning given up by Jeremiah Estrada. Scoreless innings out of Mark Leiter Jr., Rowan Wick, Eric Uhlman, and Luke Farrell. Two scoreless innings. And for the Cubs, they do go three of nine with men in scoring position as Adam Wainwright does enough to be able to get the job done. Not a great start here, giving up four runs over the course of five innings, but Andre Pallanti, Jake Woodford, Jojo Romero, and Giovanni Gallegos all lend a scoreless inning. The Seattle Mariners, they lent a bunch of scoreless innings. They were able to keep the Cleveland Guardians scoreless. 4-0 to zero the final is for Seattle. They wound up having Ty France get a home run in the first inning. That proved to be enough off of Xavion Curry. 18th home run season for Mr. Curry. He gives up four runs, three of which were earned in four and a third innings. From there, Trevor Steven, James Karen, Jack Emanuel, Colasse, Anya de los Santos. All under scoreless setting and Nick Sandlin, a pair of outs of the bullpen before the Guardians. They got nine hits. They made nothing out of them, leaving nine men on base as Robbie Ray did a tremendous job of not giving up a lot of hard contact. Only three strikeouts, but six scoreless settings on six hits. 
Matt Brash, Andres Munoz, Paul Seawald all lend a squirrel setting from there. The Miami Marlins have now scored three runs or fewer in 29 out of their last 32 games. The Atlanta Braves walk it off by kind of 2-1 to one as they wind up having Austin Riley homer for the fourth straight game and the fifth time in his last six as he winds up getting home run number 35 of the season off of Edward Cabrera who has been actually really good for this Miami Marlins team. I believe that he's given up like five runs in his last five starts, giving up that home run over the course of five. With Scott Brazoben, Richard Blyer, Dylan Floro, and Orlando Scorless saying it's even occurred. He gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, but once again, another great pitching performance squandered by the fact that the Miami Marlins have bats that are on par with a bunch of Martians in the way that they are hitting right now. It's just absolutely terrible as of what we are seeing. Bryce Elder, he winds up getting the start at the last second, and he turns six scoreless innings. A.J. Minter, Rossio Glacius both lend a scoreless inning. Kenley Jansen gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning before Tyler Madzik gets him out of a little bit of jam. And then the night wraps up with the LA Angels being able to get it done against the Houston Astros. This one was very much a pitcher's duel. Shoei Otani. How about what he was able to do? He winds up being able to turn eight innings, giving up one run. Now, he only wound up having five punch-outs, but was able to give depth where the Angels truly needed it. Jose Cuiata from there winds up getting five outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run. And Jimmy Hergett, he was able to do the same as very impressive what we want to see out of both teams as the Houston Astros. They go 2 of 11 with men in scoring position as Luis Garcia. A great start out of him. He goes 7 innings. He winds up giving up one run along the way. Ryan Sanek, Brian Abreu, Hector Neris. They all land a scoreless setting. If you're taking a look at the game of baseball right now, what we are noticing is over the last 60 or so days, we have been seeing quite a few games wind up going under the total. And if you wind up taking a look at the last week, it's been very split in terms of overs and unders. 41 overs to 44 unders in this time span with favorites posting up a record of 57 and 32. So they're hitting at right around about 64 or so percent, more like 64 and a half percent. So they have been able to do a very strong job. If you take a look at the last 60 days in terms of favorites, they are 468 and 296. So hitting at right around 61 and a half percent. Overall, in the span of the last 60 days, 379 unders, so 350 overs, so right around 52% clip there. And I've been mentioning this, home favorites and the way that they're not covering the run line. 293 and 167 straight up for home favorites. And we have seen 84 instances in which the home favorite has not been able to cover the run line in the last 60 days. And overall for the season, home favorites, 748 and 486. But you've also seen home favorites, 227 in total not be able to cover that run line and overall for the season. 971 unders to 906 overs. That is 51.7% to the unders. That's what we're seeing in baseball right now and that's what we want to getting in Major League Baseball on Saturday. Now let's turn it forward to Sunday and talk about why to continue on with baseball if you continue to find edges even if you might be handicapping some football and take a look at Sunday's slate with our good friend Justin Perry over there at Chuck Quality Bets. He's going to be joining me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m. Wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m. Grab seats for the game. Come on, 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to—like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest. It's Justin Perry. He's doing absolutely amazing work, taking a look at the game of baseball. And I know that he's getting ramped up for the college basketball season as well, as he's doing a great job over there at Shock Quality Bets. And I know that he does a great job taking a look at so many different things when it comes to the NFT side of things over there at Collective XYZ, which you're able to follow on Twitter. And for Justin, you're able to follow him at Justin Perry. And then the number eight, last name spelled P-E-R-R-I. He has joined me a lot on this podcast along with on VEASAN. 
one of the best MLB handicappers out there. And Justin, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Hey, Greg, you're too kind. Thank you. It's always a fun time being here on the pod. Excited to talk a little bit about what's happening over in the MLB. I know everyone's so excited with college football back, but we're still paying attention. I think, you know, I feel like the lines get a little softer when we have a lot going on. So I'm all for college football being back because it means more edges in the MLB. Yes, sir. It certainly does. And I do think that it is really important, first thing first, with those that are diving into college football in the NFL. And I think that that's terrific. Absolutely. Do dive into the NFL and college football. But if you've stuck in like five months of work into the MLB, I would say don't necessarily neglect it. Now, it doesn't mean fire in on all 15 games that we're going to be seeing every single Sunday or anything like that, because obviously with Sunday, things do wind up getting a little bit wonkier because it is a getaway day. But I would say that if you've stuck this much work into baseball, this is not the time to completely neglect it, because the one thing that is offered with regards to football is that the bookmakers do a lot of the work for you. These are the sharpest markets in the world. And in terms of Major League Baseball, it's not one of those things where you need to do like research on 30 teams for like an hour every single night on every single one of them or anything like that. A lot of the work has already been done by just being able to follow throughout the season. So now you're sort of in maintenance mode rather than having to play catch-up mode if you've been following it all season. Yeah, I totally agree. If you have been finding places to make plays in baseball, don't give up on them, if anything start paying attention to these races that we dive into right now because what's going on, these storylines start to paint a real picture. You start to see teams who have like, you know, maybe too much on the line kind of faltering and the teams with the young guns and the kids calling up and just having fun playing baseball, winning games they shouldn't. You can find a lot of good plays and we've really gotten to know teams as well, right? So we just saw Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run against the lefty. Like who would have thought? Like we really started to understand the season at this point and like i said especially with the top tier teams you can find spots where they'll definitely continue to perform and return value yep no question about it this is not the time in my opinion to completely give up on your mlb handicapping and when it comes to the mlb it is very interesting to see what we're going to be getting on sunday because we've got once again a demonstrative favorite out there in new york with the nationals versus the Mets as We've been seeing a lot more of these $3 favorites finding it popping up, and I found it very interesting with Jared Smith over there at PixWise while I'm tweeting out a couple days ago. If you bet to win $100 on all these favorites, if you've been laying the minus $3 or more on the money line, currently down over $1,000 for the season, and it's going to be Carlos Carrasco going for the Mets and Eric Fetty is going to be going for the Washington Nationals. I personally am going to be willing to take a stab on the Nationals as long as I'm going to be able to get a plus 260 and Right now, I'm seeing a couple books that are offering that. I don't know if this is necessarily for those that aren't very, very hardy or anything like that. But with that said, if you do like the Mets in this spot, I think that you just got to be hovering away from these money lines. Got to find a way to reduce the juice if you don't like the underdog in this spot, just because it is getting to a circumstance in which it's just not profitable for one to be laying these big prices. And for two, it's just another one of those cases where even if you're just a shall we say, in and out sort of baseball player, one loss on a minus $3 money line, you have to pretty much hit three bets just to make up for that one loss and get back to even, not to mention profit. Right. It's tough. I don't really know how to say, like, you know, don't take 300 plus money lines, like bigger money lines, more clearly than just 
it's not really worth it. These are lines that are inflated because people expect a team to clobber them. So if you're going in and taking the, the side that you're saying essentially, I expect it to be even worse. And there are probably better ways to get a position on that dominating performance without maybe sacrificing the, the price of a minus 300, a minus 350. I mean, we saw like a couple minus 400s in the last couple of weeks. It's been, it's been pretty crazy. But nonetheless, I think that what you want to do with these is find another way to attack the Nationals pitching staff, which isn't exactly great. Mets team totals are probably still pretty high, but if you think maybe they're going to do the damage early or maybe you think they're going to do the damage late, there are obviously ways to play this. I don't know. There are ways to bring down the juice. I think it's just hard to play those games unless you're going for the underdog side. But with the Mets currently locked up in, in this game right now as we record this, I don't really know. I feel like this is one where like past performance can indicate so much about like the next day. And, you know, if the Mets drop one, a lot of people like to run up to the Mets and say, hey, these guys don't really lose back to back. They they take that, uh, you know, the bounce back very seriously and they do well with it. So we'll see how it goes. I'm not really going to take a position on this one. It's not a game I really want to have any side on. I don't blame you there. And taking a look at ways to be able to reduce the juice, this is not a good game for this, but pitcher to be able to record a win is a way that you're able to do so as well. Carlos Carrasco is making his first start in about two and a half or so weeks. So you might not wind up getting his full workload. So I would say don't roll the dice on this one, but in something like Spencer Strider, for example, when he was the minus $4 favorite against the Colorado Rockies, might be a little bit more worth it in that sort of a circumstance as well. It's joining me on the podcast. We do have Justin Perry. He does a great job of taking a look at the game of baseball. And it is going to be very interesting to see what we wind up getting in this one as well as the Mariners and the Guardians. They are clearly in the playoff hunt right now with George Kirby and Cal Quantrill going at it. And with the Mariners, Find them right around about a minus 135 or so favorite. These are two guys that they are not going to put you on cheaply. Both of these guys, fewer than about two and a half walks per nine innings. Kirby has really been able to come on as a rookie. Both of these teams, amazing bullpen. Both of these teams, a little bit less than terrific offenses. But I do take a look at this spot, and both of these guys, they're going on the mound. They do allow opponents to wind up putting the ball in play quite a bit. Total of seven and a half. I think that might be a good spot for an over. And when you do have wind up having a circumstance like this, being able to get right around about a plus 115, plus 120 on the home underdog, that typically appeals to me as well. Yeah, I think that this could be a very interesting over because I know a lot of folks, including myself, are big fans of what George Kirby has been able to do so far in his major league career. Cal Quantrill, I'm not nearly as much of a fan of Kirby. I mean, you know, the walk rate is ridiculous. Like, I think it's only like 3.3% of batters or something is how much he's walking people right now. And it's some good stuff. His expected ERA is in a nice spot this year. He has been pitching well, getting out of jams, like you said. Like, it's not like nobody gets on against this guy and he does give up some big hits. But he does get out of jams. He pitches well when the pressure's on. I, I'm a little hesitant with Kirby on the mound. Maybe if Seattle's bullpen is, has been used recently, it's another reason to go after this. Because I think both these teams have nice back ends. Like you said, they're coming into the playoff hunt. Both of these teams in the thick of it right now. Seattle has a little bit of a cushion. Cleveland you know, also has a cushion in, as the leading in, in the AL Central. But I don't know. Both these teams with a solid bullpen makes me a little bit hesitant to take the over, but it could be it could be an interesting play. What else I think is going to be fascinating is joining me, we do have Justin Perry, is 
what we're going to be seeing on the White Sox, not just in this game on Sunday, but moving forward. Lucas Giolito, he's been a wreck at home. He's been posting up north of a 6 ERA, but we've seen him with the White Sox. Ever since Tony La Russa stepped away from the team due to health issues, which you certainly do hope that Mr. La Russa is okay, but it's been as expected a positive for the Chicago White Sox. They have not lost since Tony La Russa has stepped away from the team. They're going up against Dylan Don't Call Him Al Bundy, who has been absolutely terrible on the road. I recognize Lucas Giolito's struggles, but ever since Tony La Russa has been away from the team, shock, shock, surprise, surprise, White Sox are picking up wins, and I think that this could be a good spot for them. Minus 120 to minus 125 with the Twins currently without Ori Polanco, along with their other top home run hitter and Byron Buxton. And I take a look at the White Sox, and this could be a team that moving forward, as long as Tony LaRusso is away from that dugout, they provide value. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the worst, right? You step away from work and you take a peek at how everything's going and everything is like twice as good, running even better than expected. And it doesn't really look great for your own performance. So I don't know. Again, we all hope that Tony LaRusso, who is a coaching legend, that's better. But in terms of how White Sox fans are feeling, people who are invested in their race, maybe for a playoff spot, you got to be thinking that this is no coincidence. And and we've seen the memes, we've seen, you know, the tweets, we've seen how people treat him in terms of falling asleep and like, you know, the way he literally gets into the umpire's face sometimes, the way he's walked across the mound. I don't know. But the bottom line is that the White Sox look pretty nice. I'm a big fan of Andrew Vaughn. We all know that, you know, they have Abreu and Eloy Jimenez and a lot of these guys who can really hit. So if this offense really starts clicking, I could see them get hot at the right time, go on a run. I've liked this team for a while, like about three, four weeks ago. I think I was saying like plus 200 to win the division wasn't crazy. And it's probably still not. I don't know what the odds are right now, but I think this team could, could you know, maybe surprise some people. Yep, I do think so as well. I think that with the White Sox, as long as they don't wind up having Tony La Russa in the dugout, I do think that they've got a relatively good opportunity, and we're taking a look at a few favorites right now, but how about if I wind up giving you an underdog that I like, and I'll get your thoughts on this. The Chicago Cubs are finding themselves between plus 165 and plus 170 on the road with Marcus Stroman on the bump, and it's been really interesting to look at Stroman this year. He's got an ERA north of a 6-5 at home on the road. It winds up dropping to a 2-1. He's had some struggles against St. Louis, but all those starts have wanted coming at home. Miles Michaelis has not necessarily looked tremendous recently. The Cubs, they are a little bit depleted in their lineup. You've had Patrick Wisdom be on the injured list. Wilson Contreras has missed a little bit of time. But I take a look at the way that Marcus Stroman has been rolling, and I do think that there might be a little bit of value here on the Chicago Cubs with the way that he's been able to pitch away from Wrigley. Yeah, and it's not like he's walking into a park that has been historically hard for pitchers either. Bush Stadium is one over the last like couple of years, I believe one of the better pitchers parts. He could continue his excellence away from home. I know Michaelas has not exactly been stellar either. And a lot of people like this Cardinals team. I think it's one of these teams that you have like a spectator fan type tax on just very naturally. There's a lot of fans in the Midwest area for this team. They have a lot of star power. They have Yachty, they have Pujols, they have Wainwright who I think is always overinflated. I think that it's probably a good idea fading the Cardinals. People are very excited about this team, so the price can be bad. I mean, we're seeing that right now the sentiment is really down on a team that can be a favorite like the Yankees, and we're getting a lot different prices than when they're hot, right? So 
this Cardinals team has some mojo, and I think the prices are tilted in their direction. So going against them is never a bad play. You definitely get good value. And they lose games. They're not perfect. The offense goes cold. So we'll see. But yeah, I don't hate the Cubs. This is a tense rivalry no matter what point in the season these guys meet. Yep, I do agree with you on that front as well. It's always interesting to take a look at that Cubs versus St. Louis Cardinals rivalry as well. And Justin, just in terms of the slate that we are going to be seeing for Sunday, it's a little bit of a random one. And we do have a few games that are currently off the board. I know that the race, they're deciding whether or not to make Ryan Yarbrough the opener or the starter. So I mean, we should be getting him in some form or capacity. We just don't know what at this point. But that said, anything else really standing out to you in terms of something that you're either going to fire on overnight or perhaps early a.m. you wait for a little bit of line move and it's something that you might be targeting? What I'm really looking at is maybe taking a peek at this series between Cincinnati and Colorado. I love, I don't know. In every sport I handicap, I feel like I love going to the matchups between maybe like the teams that are the worst because I think there's a lot of room for to find edges. And I just think that the Rockies are usually worth fading regardless of who this is. The Reds perform pretty well at home. We know the Rockies always struggling making that travel from the altitude. This one stadium, if you had to choose one, like is a good hitting stadium. It is going to be the Great American Ballpark. But, you know, over nine, if you can find it, probably is going to be a good play. Even nine and a half. I just, I think these teams are going to score. It's not like anyone has a good pitching staff. And I actually lean Reds, took them for the series. We'll see how tonight's game goes. I know there's some weather, but I don't know. I, I just don't really like the Rockies. We can look at like some of the quick trends in terms of how they've done. They're 20 and 45 on the road. It's just not very pretty. I think that we're going to get, we're going to get a Reds win. So that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, but I'm right there with you on that over as well. Chase Anderson, who's starting for the Reds. Well, he was great with the Milwaukee Brewers in 2018. I shouldn't say great. He was solid for the Brewers in 2018. 2022, Chase Anderson is not great. And Jose Reina, he has never been great. He's never really been good. And both of these bullpens are in the bottom six in the big leagues in a pitcher-friendly yeah. ballpark. So, yeah, I do think that there's going to be quite a few runs in this game as well. You can take a look at the bats, and it's not necessarily the most firepower in the world, but, I mean, these are arms that you don't want to be banking on. But you do want to bank on the great work of Justin Perry because, Justin, you do absolutely amazing stuff just all over the place, shot quality bets. I know it's something that you're going to be doing a lot with this upcoming season. I know that you're doing a great job handicapping the game of baseball, taking a look at NFTs and so much more. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, so I'm Justin Perry 8 on Twitter. You can give me a follow over there, but definitely check out what's going on with Shop Quality Bets. We're building some of the best predictive data tools in college basketball betting. We're going to be releasing some previews pretty soon. We're going to be building a lot of great stuff. Very excited. I really do think this is the next level of data tools. So pretty cool stuff there. So if you're interested in it, just hit me up, DM me. Everything's open. Love chatting about it. But Greg, always a pleasure having the privilege of being on the show. So hopefully I get to come back again soon. Absolutely. We are going to be having Justin Perry back on because he is one of the best of the business, does absolutely amazing work every single time he joins his podcast, Lending's Insights, and did so once again today. Big thanks to Justin for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. 
smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you, because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get Justin Perry aboard. He does a great job over there taking a look at the game of baseball. And on top of that, I know he's going to be doing a great job during the college basketball season. Over there at Shot Quality Bets Collective XYZ. For those of you guys 
into NFTs. He does a great job on that front as well. It is always a pleasure to get him aboard. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So, without further ado, let's dive in on 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins. They're going to be on the road chasing off against the Atlanta Braves. Pablo Lopez goes for the fish, and Max Freed is on the bump for the Braves. The Braves are between minus 250 and minus 255 favorites. And between plus 215 and plus 225 is your number on the fish. Total on this game, it is a 7 with the over at minus 115. The under is minus 105. Going into what we want of seeing on Saturday, the Miami Marlins had scored 3 runs or fewer in 28 out of their last 31 games. And I don't think that this is a game which you're going to be exceeding 3. I'm going to be riding with the under in this spot. I will say though... I needed at least a plus 215 to take a shot on the fish. We're going to be riding with it. Now, for Pablo Lopez, things have went, well, not necessarily the greatest for him. In the month of August, he wound up making five starts, posting up a 461 ERA, and he wound up having a similar ERA in the month of July. So things have not been so good for him ever since he had a very hot start to the season, but still has been able to do a relatively solid job, and has been better on the road. A 308 road ERA compared to a 424 Home ERA, he's given up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings when he's been on the road this season. But in his one start against the Atlanta Braves, not too bad. Two runs surrendered in five and two-thirds innings against this offense. You'll certainly take that. And for Max Freed, he's actually done a little bit of a better job at home, but it's pretty darn equal. 255 home ERA, 257 road ERA, and overall been able to do an incredible job keeping the ball in the yard. Eight home runs surrendered at 158 innings, but I mean that's not what you're looking at the Miami Marlins for. You're looking at the Miami Marlins to be able to move the line because nobody in the lineup, or for that matter, on this roster that is not on the injured list have more than seven home runs. It's some temper. It's absolutely insane. Like, Joey Wendell, Garrett Cooper, a pair of guys hitting about a 250-ish. You've been able to have some production out of Charles LeBlanc. He's been able to hit a little bit above a 300. And then someone like a Nick Fortes has been able to reach base a few times. But just a deplorable offense right now in terms of power. Then for the Atlanta Braves, Austin Riley entering into Saturday. He had gone deep in four out of the last five games. He, Dansby Swanson, Michael Harris the second, in between about a 285 to a 300. Von Grisham has been able to do a good job of being able to move the line. Marcelo Zuna's back in the fold. I think that that's probably not the greatest decision because, for one, off the field stuff, and two, he just hasn't been good in general. I mean, you take a look at his post-All-Star peak numbers. He's hitting below a 200, so, I mean, it really doesn't make sense from any aspect at all. So, I mean, whether you're looking at a humanity side of things or a bottom line sort of thing, it's not that great, but Ronald Acuna Jr. they able to do a good job of being able to reach base. And then you take a look at this Braves bullpen, and it has been a little bit more shaky recently. A.J. Minter has seen his ERA rise just a little bit. Over the last three days, he has been having his ups and downs. That Sunday night baseball game was not necessarily too great, though. Really, other than that Sunday night baseball th- game, things have not necessarily been too bad 
on that front. They did wind up having to give Bryce Elder a start yesterday, so that expends the bullpen a little bit more than if you would have out there Charlie Morton, I believe, was supposed to start yesterday, and they've been dealing with an injury to Jackson Stevens, Kirby Yates. It's not necessarily been too terrific, though. Guys like Dylan Lee, Tyler Madzik, they do their part, and for the Miami Marlins, Dylan Floro's been able to do a good job of the bullpen for the team, along with Stephen Okert, who's got a sub-3 ERA. They get back Cole Solzer. He's been having himself a relatively rough season, but I do think that he's going to be able to pick it up. I think that the Braves, they should be a rather nice size favorite, but I do think that Pablo Lopez, with the way that he's been able to pitch on the road, going to be able to keep the Miami Marlins in what I think is going to be yet another low-scoring game. Looking at the under on 7 and plus 215 or greater, willing to take a shot on the fish as we go 903-904 on the bang board, the Washington Nationals. A throw face-off against the New York Mets. Carlos Carrasco is going to be going for the Mets, and Eric Fetty Wap is on the bump for the Nationals, who are the biggest underdog on the board with the Nationals. It's anywhere between plus 255 and plus 270. Anywhere between minus $3 and minus 310 is your number on the Mets. Tom's game is anywhere between 8 and 8.5 on the 8. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 1.5 on the 8.5. The under is minus 120, and the over is even. For those looking at the Mets' run line, that is a minus 135. And 135 is what I want to making the Mets run line. I needed at least a plus 265 to take a shot on the Nationals. Right now, the biggest edge I'm seeing is with the Nationals' money line. I mean, it's grody. It's really, really grody. But if you bet to win $100 on the money line in all these minus $3 favorite games going into Saturday, you would have been down about $1,000. That, according to our good friend Jared Smith over there at PicksWise, I would need to look it up exactly, but it's in that neighborhood, and these big, giant favorites just have not been able to come through this season. Now, you got to have your trepidations when it comes to the Washington Nationals because this offense has been pretty deplorable. You have been able to get some good power out of Luke Voigt, 18 home runs, and Lane Thomas. He's been able to give you 14 home runs as Thomas, along with Kibera Wee, Cesar Hernandez, Michael Flanco. These guys are in between about a 245 to a 235 Nelson Cruz. He's currently a little bit banged up, so that hurts the team. And Joey Manessis, sitting at 350, seven home runs at about 100 at bats. He's been able to do a solid job. Luis Garcia, able to move line, though. With the Nationals, you don't necessarily have a lot of firepower. And with the Mets, you do have that firepower. Pete Alonso, over 100 RBI, 32 home runs. He, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, Mark Cannon, all in between about a 265 to 275. Jeff McNeil hitting a 320. Starling Marte has been able to do a good job of being a reach base. Rodo Escobar's had a little bit of an up-and-down year, but then should be able to help out this team as well. But I do think that Eric Fetty has a chance to be able to do a competent job in this start. Eric Fetty is someone that gives up the walks, right around four and a half walks per nine innings with right around 1.35 home runs per nine as well. Relatively a decent home and road splits for 26 home ERA, 532 road ERA. By decent, I mean his ERA does not really wind up going up on the road. Both of these are not necessarily so great, but with that said, when it comes to Fetty, he's able to give you right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, but the big thing here with Carlos Carrasco is that this is going to be his first start since mid-August. As a matter of fact, August 15th, last time he wanted to pin the mound, he wanted going two innings, giving up three runs against the Atlanta Braves, so you don't necessarily know how he's going to be able to come back from an oblique injury. These are a little bit tricky. He really didn't wind up making any rehab assignments or anything like that. Now for Carlos Carrasco, 8-1 record with a 335 ERA at home, but you got to figure that they're going to need to go into the bullpen a little bit more. They're probably not going to have 
Carlos Carrasco wind up throwing like seven innings or anything like that. Now Tommy Hunter has been able to provide right around a 2-5 ERA. Adam Montevino has been able to post up a sub-3 ERA, but you might see a little bit of a long guy like Trevor Williams, who's been good out of the bullpen. As a starter, it's been bad, but out of the bullpen, he's been relatively solid. But that does wind up allowing for some opportunity here for the Washington Nationals, in my opinion, who doesn't have the world's worst bullpen. Erasmo Ramirez is posting up a sub-350 ERA. Carl Edwards Jr. is providing a sub-35 ERA. Now Steve Cichek has seen things go down word a little bit, but on Harvey. 3-area as well. So, I do think that the Mets may have a chance to be able to hold in this game. I do think that it's going to be a game which I'm going to see a little bit of scoring with Carrasco. I think that he's going to look a little bit shaky. For Fetty, he does wind up having walks issues. So, do I just think my total at an 8.2 looking over. But being able to get north of a plus 260 in this spot, going to also be taking a shot on the Nationals. 905-906 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati and Cincinnati is on to Jace Anderson getting the start, and Jose Yarenia is going to be going for Colorado. Colorado and Cincinnati in a pick'em game, anywhere between minus 104 and minus 110. Both ways, 9.5 is the total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120, and the over is anywhere between even a minus 105, and I do mind making the Rockies a minus 117 favorite. Chase Anderson has made one start thus far this season at the big league level, and if you take a look at his minor league numbers, he is posting up a north of 4 ERA at the AAA level. He winds up getting sent up to the big leagues, and well, he winds up going two and a third innings, and he gave up eight runs, seven of which were earned against the St. Louis Cardinals. It's not great. Chase Anderson is completely washed. There's no other way to put it. This guy's not going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. The command is out there. Doesn't have great velocity. I mean, there's just really nothing to speak of with Chase Anderson. And I like Chase Anderson when he was with the Brewers in, like, 2018. But this is not 2018 anymore. And for Jose Yadena... He led the Colorado Rockies to a big underdog cash his last time out there against the Atlanta Braves and has been better on the road than at home. 736 home ERA, pretty deplorable at Coors, but on the road, a respectable 411 ERA. I'm not saying it's great or anything like that, but it's better than Chase Anderson. Three home runs surrendered in 30 and two-thirds innings. But I'm starting about a 270 off of him and his strikeouts to walk rate. Literally a one. He's got 17 walks and 17 strikeouts on the road. That's not terrific. But once again, not Chase Anderson. So, you know what? There's a little bit of upgrade there. And when it comes to the Colorado Rockies, this is a bunch that they wind up hitting about 40 points lower when they're away from home with their home run power really going down right around 0.65 home runs per game on the road compared to more like 1.1 home runs per game at home. Though you do have Jose Iglesias. It's above a 300 on the road. You've got someone like a CJ Crone out of his 24 home runs. 18 of them have wound up coming at home. Guys like Garrett Hampson and company at the bottom of the fold. It's been a little bit rough there, but just take a look at this Cincinnati Reds team and guys like Aristide Sakino, Austin Romine, Jose Barrero, guys like this. They have not been great. Now the top of the fold has been good. Jake Fraley, Jonathan India, TJ Friedel, Kyle Farmer, they're all in above a 250. And Donovan Solano's been able to ride around at 315. Nick Zenzel, he gives you some firepower, not necessarily a bunch that is going to give you a bunch of home runs. But I mean, the first five or six batters in the lineup, they're solid. But once you wind up getting to the bottom of the fold, these guys stink, and both of these bullpens are terrible. They're both in the bottom six in terms of ERA. The Reds, they are dead last. And I will say for the Reds, Alexis Diaz has been tremendous. He's got a sub two ERA. Derek Law has been able to give you a couple okay innings as well, but Revier Sim Martin, Art Warren, Hunter Strickland, you're able to throw in there Ian Gabo, all these guys. They're posting up an ERA of a 444 or higher end for the Rockies. They do get Alex Calme. 
back in the fold. I still think that Donald Sullivan is going to be able to develop a little bit for this team. Not necessarily sure about Chad Smith, but Carlos Aceves, you take a look at what he's been able to do recently. He's had his ERA drop to about a 350, thanks to the fact that he's had a lot of about a single run in the last 35 days. So these are guys are starting to shape up for the Colorado Rockies. As a result, I do wind up saying the Rockies as a favorite of minus 117. I'm willing to ride with them. So if I told that to 9.8 as well, I don't think that Urania is going to be lighting the world on fire. Chase Anderson, just a guy that should not be seeing a big league mound right now as well. So looking at the over, and I'm looking at the Colorado Rockies. And if this sounds like an insert, it is because we did not know until the evening time that this would become a doubleheader as we wind up also going with the other Rockies versus Reds game as it is going to be Irma Marquez going for the Colorado Rockies and Nick Lodolo is going to be on the bump for the Cincinnati Reds. These are the guys that were supposed to go yesterday and when the game was taken off the board yesterday as right now there's no numbers up on this game and for the Colorado Rockies and the Cincinnati Reds the added game I believe it is going to be the game that I wound up doing just with Yorena versus Chase Anderson. That's going to go down to 931-932 on the betting board. So just to be able to keep things straight there. But with that said, in terms of Marquez versus Lodolo, when this game was taken off the board, you were finding Nick Lodolo and the Reds between about a minus 120 to a minus 125 favorite between plus 105 and plus 115 on the Rockies with a total of eight with a little bit of juice on the over. And if we do wind up getting those similar numbers, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I did wind up saying this so at an 8.7. No real reason to pivot off of these numbers and I was willing to lay up to a minus 131 with the Cincinnati Reds. Lodolo has been able to do a very solid job of being able to get punch outs and for Nick Lodolo it has been really interesting to take a look at his pitching splits this season because he has been very stellar at home and he's been terrible on the road. At home thus far this season he's posted up a 293 ERA and on the road it's been a 675 much of this due to the deep ball giving up 3 home runs and 43 innings at home. 5 bombs and 24 innings on the road to strikeouts per nine rate overall this season, hovering in the neighborhood of 11. And then Irma Marquez, he has been significantly better when he has been on the road rather than when he has been at home. Now, very pitcher-friendly ballpark in this spot. We did wind up mentioning this with our good friend Justin Perry. And when it comes to uh, Irma Marquez, has been just a slog all season long with a 497 ERA. But take a look at what he's been doing recently. It is much better. A lot of these starts have come on the road where he's given up six home runs in 68 and a third innings. Meanwhile, at home, 17 bombs over the course of 78 and a third innings with opponents. When he's been at home, just completely tattooing him as his opponent's batting average at home is a 308 compared to a 215 on the road as a result. 369 road ERA compared to a home ERA of a 608. And for Irma Marquez, after he had given up, I believe, three plus runs in something like 13 out of his first 16 starts of the season, things have really been able to shape up for him as you take a look at him ever since. We're going to call it now June 7th. He has posted up in the span of his last 15 starts an ERA of a 393, which is relatively respectable, giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings, walks per nine rate. That overs in the neighborhood of 3.1. And if you narrow it down to his last nine starts, 349 ERA in that time span, giving up one home run per nine innings. So Irma Marquez starting to come into better form. So this is a spot in which, as I already went through the lineups and the bullpen and everything like that, we're not going to rehash that. Set the Reds minus 131 on the money line. So I will be looking at the Reds at the same numbers that we wound up seeing when this came off the board yesterday. And if we wind up getting an 8 again, I'll be taking a look at an over. And a 7-9-0 down the bag board. It is the Chicago Cubs. They throw it face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaelis is going to be going for the cards. And Marcus Roman is on the bump for the Cubs. The Cubs 
are between a plus 165 to a plus 180 underdog. Anywhere between minus 185 and minus $2. Your number on St. Louis, 7.5 is the total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. And I said the Cubs plus 164. I think that we went up a little bit too far northward. So I'm going to be willing to ride with the Chicago Cubs because with Marcus Stroman, he has been able to do an absolutely terrific job on the road thus far this season for Stroman. He's got an ERA that's approaching right around a 7 when he's at home. That is not necessarily too terrific, but you take a look at what he's been able to do away from Wrigley Field, and he's got a 205 ERA. He's made 11 starts on the road, giving up 4 home runs and 61 and a third innings with an opponent's batting average of 219. He's been able to do a very, very good job on that front, and he's went up against St. Louis three times. This has been a bugaboo team for him as he's allowed 17 runs to them, but that said, most of those starts, they have been at home, so now being able to go on the road, I think that this is going to be able to help him out, and then you do take a look at Miles Michaelis and what he's been able to do this season. He's already faced his Cubs team four times, and he's gotten north of four ERA against his Cubs team, giving up three home runs over the course of 24 innings, and for Michaelis, things have went down the toilet bowl a little bit for him. Line six starts, 575 ERA, seven bombs allowed over the course of 36 innings. Now, I will say, 245 home ERA compared to a 441 ERA on the road, so he's got demonstrative home and road splits as well, but the Chicago Cubs lineup, you do have quite a few guys that are doing a solid job of being able to move the line. They've been without Patrick Wisdom the last few days, and it certainly hurts them a little bit as he is really the leader in home runs, but Fran Mill Reyes, ever since he came over to the Cubs, he's hitting above a 250. He's got double-digit amount of homers overall for the season. They're currently without Wilson Contreras. That winds up hurting them, but Ian App has been able to give you right around about a 350 on base. He's been solid. Nico Horner is hitting a 285. You've been able to have someone like a Nick Mandrigal along C.A. Suzuki hit 260 as well. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt, Matt Nolan, Erdotto. I mean, these guys are absolutely incredible. A combined 61 home runs between these two. Entering into Saturday with Goldschmidt nearly a 420 on base. Albert Pools, post all-star break, is hitting darn near a 400. And I'm not even joking when I say that, Tommy. Edmund is able to hit a 260. And Brendan Donovan, whenever he's been out there, at home, and this is just only at home, but he's been hitting north of a 350, so he's been solid there. Cardinals, they're dealing with an injury to Genesis Cabrera in the bullpen. He's a little bit of a nice long guy for the team. Ryan Helsley, though, he's been able to post up at sub-250 ERA this season. They've also been without a couple other guys like a Packy Naughton, but you do have Jake Woodford who's able to give you some good length. Probably not going to meet up with Michael Hassan for the Cubs. They did wind up losing guys like David Robertson at the trade deadline, but Brandon Hughes, he's been able to give you right around a 3 ERA. Eric Yeoman, it's been a little bit up and down with him. Michael Rucker has been actually a little bit better for this team. Manuel Rodriguez could wind up forming into a nice bullpen piece as well. So I do think that you're going to be able to get a good start here for Marcus Stroman. Him on the road has been pretty automatic this season. And when it comes to Soto, I do want to say it at some point. Cardinals are with a l- out a little bit of their bullpen. Offense has been solid. And the Cubs, they themselves have been struggling in terms of the bullpen. So looking at the plus price with the Cubs, semi-total at 7.8. So looking at the 7.5 over as well. 909-910 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies at the road face out against the San Francisco Giants. Carlos Rodon is going to be going for the Giants. And Rangers Suarez is on the bump for the Phillies. 7.5 is the total over and under. Both at minus 110. With the Giants, it's anywhere between minus 125 minus 130. Between plus 110 and plus 118 is your number on the fills. And was willing to go up to a minus 133 with the Giants. For Carlos Jordan, he has been absolutely tremendous at home. You take a look at a lot of his post-all-star break starts. He just has been let down by the defense in a lot of those circumstances. I still recall the game in which he wanted pitching against the Dodgers. 
Outfielder winds up losing the ball in the lights, and that winds up causing him three runs that just were not his fault. Last start against the Padres, that was not a good effort. He did wind up giving up five runs over the course of four innings. That one was on Rodon, but overall for the season, 242 home ERA, 352 road ERA. Still has been able to mow them down all season long. A man that has been able to give you a little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings and really not giving out a ton of walks, right around two and a half walks per nine innings. Opponents are at 207 off of him. He's kept the ball in the yard, giving up 10 home runs. It is north of 150 innings thus far this season. And for Ranger Suarez, until his last start, he was posting up like a buck 60 ERA post All-Star break. And then things wound up shooting straight down the toilet bowl. He gives up six runs in three and two-thirds seconds against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, it wasn't necessarily an ERA booster because a lot of those were unearned runs. He was completely let down by his defense. But that said, not necessarily the world's greatest start. And for Ranger Suarez, you always have to fear the length that he's going to be able to deliver a little bit because he has given up at least two walks. And now each out of his last five starts. As a matter of fact, in the month of August, his walks per nine rate was hovering in the neighborhood about a 4.4. So a little bit of an issue there now with the San Francisco Giants. Bullpen not necessarily trustworthy. You do have Jarlon Garcia, Camilo Duvall, along John Brebbia, who have all been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. But guess what? All three of those guys wound up pitching yesterday after Jacob Junis did not wind up being able to lend a lot of length. Meanwhile, for the Philadelphia Phillies, North or Syndergaard, he wound up giving four and a third innings. So... Connor Brogdon, Brad and Andrew Bellotti, they all wind up coming into the game. So both of these bullpens, relatively tired, both of these teams, and he is up quite a bit. So length is going to be big, and Carlos Rodon has been able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to provide that. And you do have a pair of offenses that have some firepower. JT Riamuto, post-all-star break, has been able to above a three. And Bryce Harper, he is certainly back for the team. Bryson Stott, how about what this guy's been able to do? He's hitting right around a 300 over the last month and a half or so. He has been tremendous for the team. Nick Mayton, whenever he's gotten at bats, has been solid. Kyle Schwerber, not inning for average, but he's got north of 35 home runs for his Hoskins. He's went deep 27 times, and then for the San Francisco Giants, got a lot of consistency with regards to the lineup as Evan Longoria, Therio Estrada, Jock Peterson, all these guys are in between about a 255, 28270. Luis Gonzalez has been able to do a solid job of being able to move the line as well. I mean, really, other than Jock Peterson and 20 home runs, you don't necessarily have a lot of guys that are able to go yard for you. Mike Ustremski could use a little bit more out of him, but I do think that Carlos Rodon provides a relatively good start in a game in which we're going to see both teams. They're relying upon their starter to be able to go deep, and I think that both starters are going to be able to do so. I think that things are going to be tamed down from what we wound up seeing in a little bit of a haywire game yesterday. So I do wind up saying Mattel at 6.8. I'd like both of these starters. I'm looking at the under with the Giants want to go up to a minus 133. So looking Giants and looking under. 9-11, 9-12 on the bank board. The Milwaukee Brewers at the red face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Allen is going to be going for the Diamondbacks and Jason Alexander. No, not from Seinfeld. It's going to be going from the Brewers, though. It's a comedy of what the Brewers have done recently. They're finding themselves between plus 130 and plus 138. Meanwhile, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, saying between minus 145 and minus 150 is your number. It is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. I need at least a plus 142 to take a shot here on the Brewers. If you're looking at the run line of the Arizona Diamondbacks, you're going to be finding it anywhere between plus 140 and plus 145. And I need at least a plus 140 to take a shot. So we are right where I need to be. So I'm going to be willing to lay the run in half and ride with the Arizona Diamondbacks because Zach Gallen has been nothing short of absolutely amazing. 
post-All-Star break, allowing two runs or fewer in all but one of his starts. And I think that the lone outlier, he wound up giving up three runs. I mean, this man has been amazing all season long. 10-2 record on an Arizona Diamondbacks team that's sub-500. He's been giving up right around 0.8 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, that is in the neighborhood about a 2.4. Take a look at what he's done over his last five starts. Zero earned runs. Zero. Zero unearned runs, too. 34 to third innings in his last five starts. Nothing allowed. 14 hits. He has been incredible. And then you've got Jason Alexander, who literally has 34 strikeouts in 58 innings this season. And he's a guy that pitches a contact and gives up nearly four walks per nine innings. That's a little bit of an issue. He's got a 529 ERA. He has given up much more than zero runs over his last five starts as he's been mostly used out of the bullpen. So this is not a spot in which I think that Jason Alexander is necessarily going to be able to give you a lot of length. His last start, he wanted giving up a run run over the course of five innings against the Pittsburgh Pirates and not wind up looking too bad there. But once again, against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So keep that in mind with the Brewers. The one thing that is very good for the team is that they are able to bump out the deep balls. We've got a trio of guys from William Thomas, Hunter Renfro, throwing the Rowdy Tellez with at least 23 home runs. And got a lot of consistency in terms of being able to get on base, but currently they're dealing with a little bit of an injury to Christian Yelich. He has missed this series as far as he, along with Renfro, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Jace Peterson. These are guys are in between about 255 through 265. Andrew McCutcheon, Casanera. These are guys are able to move the line, hitting about between about a 242 to 250. But without the table setter, a lot of these home runs, they wind up being solo bombs, and that winds hurting them, and you just aren't able to make the most out of them. Meanwhile, for the years in the Diamondbacks, interesting home and road splits. They have right around 0.9 home runs per game at home, more like 1.3 on the road, though Christian Walker has been amazing. 31 home runs, post all-star break, he's been able to get closer to about a 265, and then you've got Emmanuel Rivera, Quitel Marte, Alec Thomas, in between about a 245 to 255 since Rivera has come over to the Diamondbacks. If anything, more around a 275, which is what Josh Ross has been able to do. You've had Jake McCarthy be able to hit about a 290 for this bunch as well. So you do have some nice bats for a Diamondbacks team that overall for the season, they do rank at the bottom seven in terms of batting average. And with the Diamondbacks, always have to have trepidations when it comes to this bullpen. Joe Mantiply along the Ian Kennedy. They're posting up sub-3-2 ERAs, but guys like Luis Frias along Caleb Smith. You're able to throw in there Mark Melanson. I mean, these are guys that are posting up north of a 4-7 ERA. Kevin Ginkle has not necessarily been great. And for the Brewers, Hobie Milner along with Brent Suter have not necessarily been too terrific. Though Brad Boxberger, sub-3 ERA, but able to get good production out of Devin Williams. He, for the season, a sub-2 ERA. So I do think that you're going to be able to get a spot in which Zach Allen is going to be able to deliver an amazing start. I think that Jason Alexander winds up being the albatross in this one. So getting plus 140 on the run line of the Diamondbacks, I'm going to be willing to ride with it. Do you mind saying my total has 7.7 Diamondbacks? Don't necessarily get a lot of power at home. And I think that Allen just winds up mowing it down in terms of this Brewers lineup. So looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of Arizona. 9-13, 9-14 on the bank board. The LA Dodgers, they're going to be playing OC San Diego Padres. Mike Levenger is going to be going for the pods. And to be determined is on the bump. For the Dodgers, which is why this game is off the board. And right now ESPN is projecting it to be Andrew Keeney. If we do wind up getting Andrew Keeney, I'd be saying the Dodgers as a minus 178 favorite. If we wind up getting a younger guy like we were seeing Brian Pepio to wind up getting a few starts, I think that 
There was another gentleman in Mr. Grove that wound up getting a few starts for the Dodgers as well. I'd probably knock this down 10, 15 cents, depending upon if it's Grove or Pepiote or something of that nature. But I did wind up saying Keeney as a minus 178 favorite because you do have a Dodgers team that even if you do wind up having a less than trustworthy starter, you still have Trey Turner, Will Smith, Max Muncie, Throw in there Cody Bellinger, Joey Gallo, and Freddie Freeman, all giving you at least 15 home runs apiece. Freeman and Turner hitting above a 305, and then Mookie Betts, 32 bombs, sitting at 280 at the leadoff spot. I mean, this is just a firepowered offense that has been absolutely incredible all season long. And for the Padres, spend it or miss with this team. You do have Brendan Drury, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, all giving you at least 22 home runs this season. Though Drury, he wound up having that close call on Friday. He wound up being out of the starting lineup yesterday as a result because he wound up getting hit in a helmet with a pitch. So, not necessarily too tremendous. Speaking of not too tremendous, what Josh Bell has done ever since he has gotten to San Diego with the Padres, right now hitting about a buck seventy-five. That is not what the team wound up hoping for. Hassan Kim, he's been able to do a solid job. He's hitting north of two seventy-five over the last two months. Things have been able to come along for him. Jose Azuka has been able to get on base, but with the Padres, you expected this bullpen to be a little bit better, especially when you bring in Josh Hader. But the problem is Josh Hader, as a member of the San Diego Padres, has right around a 20 ERA. Nick Martinez, Adrian Martajon. Both of these guys have actually been halfway decent coming out of the bullpen. I've been pleasantly surprised there. Nibel Crisman, along with Robert Suarez, they've been okay, but for the LA Dodgers, it's been the smaller guys have really been able to step up for the team. Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips, both looking up a sub-2 ERA. Alex Vesia, David Price, they've been able to do a solid job. Craig Kimbrell has been anything but tremendous for the team, but by and large, you do have yourself a bullpen that has been able to do a relatively solid job, and I do think that if you do wind up getting Andrew Heaney, he's going to be able to do a nice job as well. He's always had good swing and miss stuff. His problem has always been giving up the deep ball, but I do think that if he does wind up getting the start, he should be able to do a solid job. He's been posting up a sub-3 ERA, and for Mike Clevenger, it's just been a case in which this season, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been terrible. You can tell that he's not the same guy that he was while he was with Cleveland a few seasons ago, giving up a right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings, 2.8 walks per nine strikeout numbers. Those are down to right around 7.7. He's not a guy that necessarily gets like completely tattooed on the road as he's got a 359 ERA overall, 398 on the road, 297 at home. So I do think that this is a circumstance in which if you get any minus 178 on the Dodgers, if it winds up being one of the younger guys, probably bump this down by about like 10 to 15 cents and eight or less. I'd be taking a look at an over and half prior to the under. 915, 916 on the bank board. The Walker Texas Rangers at the red face off against the Boston Red Sox. As Cutter Crawford is going to be home for the Sox and Dane Dunning going to look to get her Dunning for Texas. Texas is back to being a very slight underdog. Any work team plus 105 and plus 112. Meanwhile, You've got anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125 is your number with Boston. Nine and a half is the total. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And I do mind saying my total at a 9.7. I'm looking at the over and willing to lay with the Red Sox. Set them as a minus 123 favorite. And the big reason why I'm willing to trust in the Red Sox is because if you take a look at Dane Dunning's home and road splits, they have been stunning. Dane Dunning is very good at home. He's very bad on the road. 324 home area. 525 ERA on the road, and this has been consistent since he wound up getting traded to Texas. He is terrible on the road. He's terribly good at home. With the 525 ERA on the road, it's not to say the deep ball. He's given up right around one home run per nine innings, but 
His locks per nine rate hovers right in the neighborhood of four, and opponents running at 304 off of him. So, not too terrific there. Meanwhile, for Cutter Crawford, he does a good job of being able to get some swings and misses. Nine strikeouts per nine innings, but it's also giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. He has given up at least four runs in four out of his last five starts. So, I certainly think that both of these teams are going to be hitting around for the Texas Rangers and their opportunities. And they came up snake eyes towards the end of the game yesterday, but you do have a bunch of guys in Nate Lowe, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, along with Adelise Garcia, will have at least 21 home runs for the team. Simeon, Seager, and Garcia in between about a 244 to a 255 and low. He's been able to above a 300 for the team. You've had Leody Tavares do a good job moving the line. He's hitting about a 285, so got a lot of guys that you like. In this lineup, Bubba Thompson is hitting above a three iron. Then for the Boston Red Sox, Andrew Bogarts. He's been tremendous at being able to get on base. Hitting right around a 313. J.D. Martinez is starting to pick it up after you wound up having a 45-day stretch in which he was sitting below the middle line of 200. As you also have Alex Verdugo, Christian Arroyo, along with Rafi Devers. In between about a 280 to a 295. And for Devers, he's been able to do a great job driving him in as he's got 25-plus home runs. This season, bottom of the fold with guys like Kike Hernandez, Kevin Pilecki and company. It's been a little bit rough, but having Tommy Pham and Trevor Story out there is giving you a little bit more firepower on both of these bullpens. They are struggling for the Boston Red Sox. Worst bullpen in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break as you've got Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, Austin Davis, Eduardo Bizzardo, all these guys. Closing up north of a five-year-a throw on their Caleb board as well. Garrett Woodlock has been able to do a very solid job for this bullpen, but he wanted to get used up for 30 pitches yesterday. And then for Texas, a lot of bullpen use for the team as he used a bullpen game yesterday. It's Brock Burke had to wind up throwing a bunch of pitches. He's one of their most trustworthy pieces. You do have Matt Moore has been able to post up a sub-3 ERA, but I mean, for the Texas Rangers, got a lot of guys that you don't necessarily trust in. The good news is you used up one of them yesterday, Dennis Santana, but this is not a bullpen that you necessarily want to be banking on either. So I do think that you end up getting a high-scoring game. So my total at 9.7. I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot. I do think that Crawford winds up giving up some runs. Can't trust in Dane Dunning on the road, though. Want to lay up to a minus 123 with the Red Sox. So look at Sox and looking over. 917-918 on the betting board. It is the Oakland A's. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. Spencer Watkins is going to be going for the Orioles. And Adrian Martinez is going to be going for the A's. The A's are between a plus 150 and a plus 160 underdog. And between minus 168 and minus 175 is your number on the Orioles. And 8.5 is your total. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. A rare spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over on the Baltimore Orioles because I do think that Martinez is going to be giving it up. When it comes to Adrian Martinez, he's been sort of flexed between the minors and the majors in his last start against the New York Yankees. Actually a really good start, giving up one run over the course of five and a third innings. And he has been able to develop as the season has went along. In his post-all-star break starts, he's given up a combined three runs across nine and two-thirds innings. Obviously a small sample size, but at the minor league level, he was able to do an okay job with the Las Vegas Aviators. Has always been a guy that has been not necessarily the world's greatest swing and miss guy, to say the least. And at the major league level, right around about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. The command has never necessarily been too bad. He does find him giving up a little bit too much hard contact, six bombs in 29 innings at the big league level. But you know what? Compared to like an Adam Aller, I will take Adrian Martinez over an Adam Aller. But I do think that Spencer Watkins is going to be able to rebound after giving up five runs. 
to the Cleveland Guardians, has been very much a pitch of contact guy this season. 5.7 strikeouts per nine innings. He's only been giving up right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. He's kept the ball in the air, giving up about a home run per nine innings. This Baltimore ballpark very much suited to him. Four home runs, give it up in 45 and a third innings. Opponents are getting a 280 off of him at home, but he's been able to do a good job of just being able to keep the ball in the yard, using the dimensions to his favor. And for the Baltimore Orioles, got a lot of guys that are doing an absolutely tremendous job of being able to get on base as you've got Edley Rushman, Ryan Moncat, so both hitting between about a 242, 250, and then past that. Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, Ramon Odias, Austin Hayes, all these guys hitting between about a 250 to 265. Moncastle now has 20 home runs this season. Santander, 23 home runs. Got a lot of guys pumping out a double-digit amount of homers. Ryan McKenna has been able to get on base as well, and you just can't say the same thing for this Oakland A's team. May have a little bit of something in Dermis Garcia in a small about 36 or so at-bat sample size going into yesterday. was hitting about a 300, but you've got guys like Nick Allen, Shea Langolaris, Seth Brown, guys like this are in a 225 or lower. I will say for Seth Brown and Sean Murphy, a combined 17 home runs apiece, but other than Murphy, who's hitting about a 255, you don't have a single guy with more than 50 at-bats. Hitting about a 240 for this bunch, and for the Oakland A's, they're dealing with some injuries to guys like Danny Jimenez and company in the bullpen. Domingo Acevedo is starting to regress a little bit. A.J. Pucks and Maul, both of these guys, posting up a sub-3 ERA. Joe Pyamps, overall for the season, he's been able to post up right around a 3 ERA as well, but certainly those injuries do wind up hurting. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, Cino Perez, Dylan Tate, Felix Batista, Joey Crebio, Keegan Aiken, these are guys who are giving you a sub-3-2 ERA as well. So I do think that the Baltimore Orioles should be a sizable favorite in this spot. I do mind up saying that a minus 204 offense has really started to come alive for this team. So if you look at the run line, you're finding it at a plus 115. I was willing to lay a very, very small price on the run line. So being able to get plus money, I'm going to take a shot here because I do think that it's going to be a higher scoring game with the ace dealing with their bullpen injuries in general. So I do mind saying my total at an 8.6, looking at the over on 8.5 and the Orioles run line. 9.18, 9.20 on the betting board. The New York Yankees have thrown face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. It is to be determined for the Rays. And one of Ferenki Montas is going to be gone for the New York Yankees. The reason why this is to be determined for the Tampa Bay Rays is they are deciding whether or not it is going to be Ryan Yarbrough who winds getting the start or if he winds coming in as a bulk guy. And for Ryan Yarbrough, he's got a win percentage of about 33% when he is a starter. Meanwhile, he's 27-10 and 10 when he winds coming out of the bullpen with his ERA being a full point lower now. Much of the wins themselves have wound up coming due to the fact that, well, when you wind up getting the start, it's a little bit more difficult to get the victory because you do wind up going out there needing five plus innings to be able to factor in for the win, and you can wind up taking the loss on one pitch. So that winds up hurting that effort. But with the Yankees, it certainly has been interesting to take a look at them with Frankie Montas on the mound, which is why I've got them as a very slight underdog of a plus 104. Because for Frankie Montas, in appearances that he's made outside of Oakland, he's got north of a 5-5 ERA this season. Now, he's looked a little bit more respectable recently, but in his five starts with the New York Yankees, posting up a 7.01 ERA, and he has given up five home runs in those five starts. It has been far from terrific. Now, I did mention it last few starts, but a little bit more respectable, giving up two runs or fewer in two out of his last four. Those came against the Red Sox and the Mets, but still did wind up giving up four runs on the road against the LA Angels. 
when I say I'm out, and this is the Tampa Bay Rays team that they just do a great job with their bullpen as Jason Adam has been able to provide a sub-2 ERA this season. You've really been able to get some good production out of guys like Brooks Raley, Colin Pooch and company. Matt Weisler being out with injury has hurt this team a little bit, but you wind up getting back JT Chargois. You also have Pete Fairbanks. They've come off the injured list. They provided a sub-250 ERA. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they're doing a good job of being able to mix and match in terms of their lineup. Manuel Margot along with Harold Ramirez are back. Both of these guys, and Lisa 300 with Ramirez closer to a 330. Andy Diaz right around about a 375 on base. Now, guys like Jose Siri, Taylor Walls at the bottom fold have not been great. And Randy Rosarena and Isaac Paredes need a little bit more power in terms of these guys are right now leading the way with 18 home runs. But hey, for the Yankees, they scored four runs or fewer now 17 out of their last 21 games. It is not going well for them. Aaron Judge is really the only guy that's sitting for them. He's able to give you 50-plus home runs. He's not the problem here. The problem is Josh Donaldson talking trash while he's hitting at 219 right now this season and committing errors out there in the field. As he, John Carlos Sen, Oswaldo Cabrera, Aaron Hicks, all these guys are in at 225 or lower. Not having Anthony Rizzo out there asserting them. Clayber Torres has been able to supply 18 bombs. He's hitting about a 240 in Jose Trevino. He's been solid. But DJ LeMayu, his batting average is going down just because he's playing while he's hurt, and you didn't wind up getting great length out of Clark Schmidt yesterday, so Lou Trevino has actually been very solid with the Yankees. At wound up having to come in. He got burnt up, and he's got a sub-2 ERA since he wanted coming over to New York. Now, I will say this. Bullpen, not really the issue for this team, as the Yankees still in the top two in terms of bullpen ERA. Clay Holmes, Ron Matanacchio, Lucas Lutke, Wani Peralta. These are guys posting up a sub-3 ERA, but the Tampa Bay Rays, they do have a little bit of a leg up with that regard. I can't really trust in Frankie Montas, and despite the fact that Ryan Yarbrough, he's been registering right around about a 5-ish ERA. I'm willing to ride with the Rays here. Even if Yarbrough is a starter, if he comes in as a bulk guy, we're saying the Rays probably closer to about a minus 110 to a minus 115. I actually do think that that influences the line by about 5 to 10 cents as to whether or not Yarbrough has an opener or not. But if Yarbrough is the starter, set the Rays minus 104. And made my total an 8.1 to where an 8 or less will be looking at an over 8.5 higher to the under as we go 921-922 on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers playing us. They can't see whereas Maximo Castillo is going to be going for the Royals and Matt Manning is on the bump for Detroit. Detroit anywhere between a minus 110 to a minus 120 favorite. Even money to a plus 105 is your price on Kansas City. 8 is your total. The over setting between minus 115 and minus 125. The under setting between minus 105 to a plus 105. And I do mind saying the Tigers as minus 122 favorites. Now, I do think that we are going to see continued regression from Matt Manning when he's at home. And we really want him seeing that hit hard in his last start. As Matt Manning going into his last home start was posting up right around about a 0.70 home area. And then he just winds up getting smoked by the Seattle Mariners. He got seven outs. Wound up giving up seven runs, including two home runs. But take a look at Matt Manning overall for his career. His ERA at home is literally three points lower than it is on the road. Overall, even with that bad start, 286 home ERA. He's given up four home runs to 28 in the third innings in Detroit with just five walks in that time span as well. He's been able to do a good job in terms of command. And for Maximo Castillo, not a guy that's going to be able to lend a lot of length. He did wind up being able to give a five-inning start against the Tampa Bay Rays about two to three weeks ago. But this has been a guy that even at the minor league level, he's not been able to lend a lot of length out. He's actually got some good electrifying stuff. He's getting right around eight and a half punch outs for nine innings. He leaves the ball a little bit too far out over the plate as he's given up five home runs in his 25 and two thirds innings. Young 23-year-old guy with some upside. He's got good stuff. 
He has yet to be able to put it together, and he's probably going to wind up getting knocked out of the start early, which means that you have to rely upon a Kansas City Royals bullpen that is currently dead last in the American League in terms of ERA. Josh Shamont was a hot mess for the team all season long. He's currently on the injured list. Carlos Hernandez, Anthony Machevich, you're about to throw in there Amir Garrett. All these guys are posting up north of a 5 ERA. Don Coleman, Scott Barlow, they've been relatively solid, but certainly has been an issue with his team. And for the Kansas City Royals, I will say that the offense has been able to kick it up a little bit. You did wind up having Bobby Witt Jr. hit home run number 20 yesterday. He's been hitting right around about a 250 for this bunch. Salvador Perez, he's been a little bit off and on the last few days. He's been dealing with a couple ailments, but he's really been able to pick it up, hitting right around about a 280 over the last 40 days for this bunch. But when you get to the bottom of the fold, guys like Nate Eaton, Kyle Isabel, Nick Prado, Ryan O'Hearn, these are guys that are hitting a 220 or lower. MJ Melendez more around a 225. And well, for the DJ Tigers, it's been an issue on offense all season long. As Tucker Barnard, you're able to throw in there Cody Clements, Akil Badu, Spencer Torkelson, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope. All these guys are hitting at 220 or lower. Avi Bias is hitting at 225 as he and Candelario with their 12 home runs right now lead the way. You've had Willie Castro be able to hit about a 250. And we'll say Gary Carpenter is hitting about a 245 with a 320 on base. Riley Green has been able to move the line a little bit as well. But the Rio Forte for the Tigers team is their bullpen. Even without Michael Fulmer out there in the fold, you've had someone like Joey Jimenez, Jose Cicerino, Jason Foley, Andrew Chafin. These are guys that have been able to supply a sub-3-2 ERA all season long. I do think that Matt Manning is going to be able to turn a relatively solid start, and I don't think that Maximo Castillo is going to be able to lend a lot of length. Divine saying Mitchell at 8.3. I do think that Manning is going to continue to see a little bit of regression at home, but I'm willing to ride with him in this spot, and I'm willing to bank on a few runs in this game as well with the Royals. Probably trotting out there quite a bit of their bullpen. So, looking at the over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Detroit Tigers as we go 923-924 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be playing us the Minnesota Twins. Dylan Don't Come Al Bundy is going to be going for the Twins, and Lucas Giolito is on the bump for the White Sox, and we're going to wind up making this one the DK Nation pick as the White Sox are anywhere between a minus 118 to a minus 125 favorite, and between plus 105 and plus 110 is your price on the Minnesota Twins. 8.5 is the total. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105, and when it comes to the Minnesota Twins, I set them as a plus 162 underdog. The DK Nation pick is going to be on the White Sox and Lucas Giolito, which I think that a lot of people are going to be dumbfounded by this, but here's a shocker. You get the fossil out of the dugout, and all of a sudden, things are going right for the Chicago White Sox. Who could have told you that? Oh, wait, everyone. Everyone knew that this was a problem, and now the White Sox are beginning to play some great baseball. This is a team that they do a good job of being able to move the line. Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez. These are guys that are all hitting at least a 285 for this team. You've been able to find a little bit of something in young infielder Romy Gonzalez. He's been able to above a 275 as well. AJ Pollock at long Josh Harrison. These are guys that are up and down, but these two guys along with Sanders, they move the line hitting above a 240 with all of them. And for the Minnesota Twins, this is a team that's without Byron Buxton. Their main home run hitter, Ode Polanco, is currently out of the fold. He's been one of their top home run hitters. Now, I will say this for the Twins. You still have Carlos Correa, Nick Gordon, Jose Miranda, Gio Rochelle. These are guys between about a 266 
to a 280-ish, so may have been solid, but you really don't have anyone hitting over 15 home runs. Lisa Reyes has been able to hit about a 320, so that has been relatively solid, but you do take a look at this White Sox team. They've been able to do a good job with their bullpen. They got a nice start out of Dylan Cease yesterday to be able to help out with that as Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks. These guys have been automatic in the 8th and ninth inning, and Reynaldo Lopez and Jimmy Lambert. Both of these guys just wound up washing out as starters, but they provided a sub-3 ERA in this bullpen as well, and for Lucas Gilito, he has not been great at home. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's been a little bit unlucky this year because he has been able to get right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. His home ERA is a 686 compared to a 391 on the road. He has given up 22 home runs over the course of 128 innings. Things have not necessarily been so rosy from recently. Last five starts, he's been posting up right around a 6 ERA as well. But I do think that he's going to be able to do relatively solid in this spot. He's always been solid against the Twins. One start this year against them, he wound up giving up one run over the course of four innings. And Dylan Bundy, for as bad as Lucas Giolito is at home, he's even worse when he winds hitting the road. 5.66 road here. He gave it up 12 bombs in 68 in a third innings with opponents hitting at 283 off of him. He is not a strikeout guy anymore as he has been giving out right around about six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate in the neighborhood about at 1.4 with the Minnesota Twins. Bullpen is not great nor terrible. You've had Yohan Duran be able to provide right around a two ERA among relievers. He leads the league in terms of pitches thrown at 100 plus miles per hour. I do like Giovanni Morin in this bullpen as well. He's been able to do a relatively solid job. So, I mean, these are guys that you're able to rely upon. But when you wind up getting into someone like, say, Emilio Pagan, it is a Pagan in terms of the game. He has not been great. Caleb Theobar is starting to show a little bit of aggression as well. And it feels like the White Sox... Without that guy, Antonio LaRusso, they're starting to pick up steam. I do think that this is going to be a higher scoring game. I think that Giolito is still going to wind up giving up his runs because he still has been providing right around 3.2 to 3.3 walks per nine innings. But I do think that the White Sox get to Mr. Dome, Bundy, make him look like Al. So DK Nation pick, going to be on the White Sox on the money line. So my total of 9.1, so looking over as well. 925, 926 on the bank board. The Seattle Mariners at third face off against the Cleveland Guardians as the Guardians are going to be trotting out there. Cal Quantrill and George Kirby is on the bump for Seattle. Seattle, and between a minus 128 to a minus 135 favorite. Between plus 115 and plus 120 is your number on Cleveland. 7.5 is the total over and under both at minus 110. And for the Mariners, I set them more of a minus 117 favorite. So being able to get plus 118, plus 120 here on the Guardians, I'm going to be one to nibble. I know that this is one of mid-major Matt's guys. And I like Cal Quantrill. Not a guy that's going to go out there and give you a bunch of strikeouts. He's getting right around six strikeouts per nine innings. But Cal Quantrill, he pitches very well to Cleveland. He's been able to deliver a lot of length. He's been able to go six plus innings at darn near every one of his starts post All-Star break. And for the last five starts for Cal Quantrill, He's won 32 innings in those last five starts. He's given up five earned runs. He's given up just one home run, seven walks across 32 innings. Opponents are a buck 39 off of him. Now that is going to go northward a little bit, but 324 home area at home. He's been giving up right around 1.15 home runs per nine innings, but the walks per nine rate is hovering in the neighborhood about 2.4. Now George Kirby, one of the best attributes about him is that he just has not given up walks whatsoever. A walks per nine rate of 1.25. He has given up three runs or fewer in every one of his starts really since the All-Star break. And as a matter of fact, since the beginning of the month of July. So you've got two guys are really firing all cylinders 
for both teams and for Kirby, 285 road ERA, 341 home ERA. He does wind up getting hurt by the deep ball a little bit. He's giving up home run per nine innings. That opponents do it right around at 264 off of him as well. This is a case in which I do think that the Guardians are going to be able to get their offense ramped up a little bit. You don't necessarily have a lot of firepower with regards to this Guardians offense. In terms of total home runs at home, they're actually dead last in the league, but you do have Jose Ramirez. He's been able to slug out 26 home runs thus far this season. Josh Naylor along with Andres Jimenez. Both of these guys, they're giving you 15 home runs a piece as Naylor has been hitting in the neighborhood of about a 265 and then you do take a look past that and you do have the two gentlemen that I mentioned in Ramirez, Jimenez, Steven Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, Amid Rosario. These are guys that have all been able to hit at least a 280 for the team and I like the way that this Guardians bullpen has been able to operate now. Seattle, they've got the number one bullpen in terms of ERA ever since the beginning of the month of June, but the Guardians aren't too far behind as Angel de los Santos, Nick Sandlin, Trevor Stevens. These are guys that are able to supply an ERA of a three or better, and then Emmanuel Classe has really been that lights-out closer. Andres Munoz, Diego Casio, since rough starts of the season, both of these guys have been able to do an incredibly impressive job, and then you did take a look past that, and you got guys like Penn Murphy, Eric Swanson, Paul Sewell. They've all been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. When it comes to the Seattle Mariners team, three of guys with 21-plus home runs, Cal Raleigh, Julio Rodriguez, and Eugenio Suarez. All these guys have been able to do a solid job. I'll be able to reach base as well, really other than Cal Raleigh. Raleigh is only hitting about a 205, but Rodriguez, Suarez, between about a 325 to a 335 on base. Adam Frazier has seen a little bit of a dip in batting average, but Ty France, after he wound up having a little bit of a post-all-star break swoon, he's really been able to pick it up. You take a look at him over the last two weeks. He's been able to supply right around about a 260 batting average. He's starting to crank it up with a deep ball as well. I think that this is going to be a relatively solid battle, but I do think that being able to get the plus money here with Cal Quantrill with the way that he has just been a steady Eddie guy, it does wind up providing some value at home. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Guardians getting right around a plus 120. I do think that this is going to be a relatively well-pitched game, but both of these guys, they have shown that they're going to be willing to give up a little bit of contact as well. So my total is 7.9. So looking at the over along with the Cleveland Guardians, 927-928 on the bang board. It is the Houston Astros. They throw it face off against the LA Angels as Tucker Davidson is going to be going for the Angels, and Jose Arikidi is on the bump for Houston. Houston is a favorite of anywhere between minus 152 and minus 165, between plus 140 and plus 145 on the Angels, with the total at a 9.5 with the over and the under, both at minus 110, seeing a straight 9 out there. With the 9, the over is minus 125 and the under is plus 105, but when it comes to Houston Astros, gotta be looking at them in some form or capacity. I did wind up saying the minus 164 on the money line was willing to take even money or better on the run line, and how we're seeing it right now is right around even money to a minus 105. This would probably be a spot in which I'd be willing to take a little bit more of a look at the money line at current numbers at right around about a minus 155-ish. If I do wind up getting even money-ish, then it would be a little bit more of a run line play, but with Houston, they have not necessarily been the best run line team this season because one of their main fortes has been their bullpen and the way that they have been able to be either number one or number two based on when you take a look just all season long in terms of this bullpen as Rafael Montero, Ryan Stanek, Brian Abreu, you're able to throw in there Seth Martinez, Ryan Presley, all these guys posting up a 3-1-1 ERA or better. It has been tremendous what they've been able to do. Hector Neris has still been able to give you some solid innings. Now, the reason why I've got a little bit more trepidation with regards to the run line of the Astros is, for one, offense has just been a little bit down in general. You've been having Jordan Alvarez out with a little bit of an injury recently as well, and Jose Urquidy, he certainly does find it pitching much better at home rather than on the road. 306 home ERA, 424 ERA 
on the road. He has been giving up the deep ball quite a bit this season. 23 home runs and 139 innings, but he is going in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Los Angeles. It's going to be helped a little bit by the fact that it is going to be daytime for these hitters, so instead of the air being a little bit more heavy, it does allow it to be a little bit more hitter-friendly during the daytime, and it's going to be to the detriment of Tucker Davidson, who, between his time with the Atlanta Braves and the LA Angels, not been great. He's giving up Seven walks per nine innings, and he's got 21 strikeouts in 34 and a third innings. He's literally got six fewer strikeouts and walks. That is a big-time issue. For Tucker Davidson, he just has not been able to put it together whatsoever. 521 ERA since joining the LA Angels. Just not a guy that you want to be having a lot of faith in, in my opinion. The Angels' bullpen has actually been a little bit more respectable recently. You've been able to have Ryan Tapera be able to shape up a little bit. Aaron Loop has just not been great, but Jose Quijada, you're able to throw in there. Even someone like Jimmy Harrigan, both of these guys posing up a sub-330 ERA. Jose Marte has been able to give you a couple of decent innings. And for the Angels, you now have Mike Trout and Joey Otani in the same lineup as both of these guys have been able to combine for 58 home runs entering into Saturday. These two guys, along David Fletcher, Luis Arnifo, Taylor Ward, all hitting at least a 260 as high as a 275 in the case of Fletcher. Now, bottom of the fold, when you wind up having guys like Max Stassi, Kurt Suzuki, Ryan Aguirre, Andrew Velasquez, Mike Ford, these guys are going to 220 or lower. They've been deplorable, but you do have a Houston Astros lineup in which got three of guys in Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, all between 20 and 22 home runs with Trey Mancini, along with Tucker and Bregman, only between about a 255 to a 265. Bottom of the fold with some of these guys, like a Chaz McCormick, you're able to throw in there. JJ Matevich, Martin Maldonado has been a little bit tough in terms of the lineup for the Astros as well, but Jose Altuve, he's moved the line. He's hitting about a 285. So it's a situation where I do think that the 9.5 is a little bit too high because Ertikidi has been able to look a little bit better on the road with the Astros in general. Losing Jordan Alvarez for the time being, it does wind up hurting them as well. And the Astros have just played so many unders this year that I would rather be a little bit safer in terms of the money line in the spot. And I do want to ride with an under. So I might tell him an 8.8 looking under and looking at the Astros on the money line. And we wrap things up with 9.29, 9.30 on the main board. The Pittsburgh Pirates play OC Toronto Blue Jays. Roster playing is going to be going for the Jays and JT Brubaker is on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is an underdog. Anywhere between plus 170 and plus 180. Anywhere between minus 190 and minus $2. Your number on Toronto. Eight is the total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. And if you're looking at the run line, you're going to be finding the Blue Jays. Anywhere between a minus 120 to a minus 115. Favorite on the run line. Laying around an half anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. And I was willing to go up to a minus 125 in this scenario because Rod Stripling, he's been able to do an amazing job all season long for the Blue Jays. Not a high strikeout, guys. He's been getting right in the neighborhood about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but he's also been giving up .7 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, that's in the neighborhood about a 1.4, and it's been relatively consistent home to road. 284 home ERA, 307 ERA on the road. He's been able to do a nice job of really being able to contain the deep ball on the road as well. One home run surrendered in 44 innings away from Toronto this season. Overall opponents are a 234 off of him. He's been a godsend for a Toronto Blue Jays just rotation in general that is needed. And for JT Rubaker, it's actually been worse at home than he has been on the road. 507 home ERA, 388 ERA on the road. At home, he's given up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings on the road. Less than a home run per nine innings in his opponent's batting average. That winds up going up by about 23 points 
for the Blue Jays. It's been a fascinating offense, though. It's one of the better offenses. You're going to find out there in the big leagues as Flyer Jr. He's been able to bat at 285. He has gone deep now 27 times thus far this season. You've been able to have guys like Alejandro Kirk, Lourdes Gurriel do a good job of being able to move the line, hitting about a 290 to a 300 apiece. And then you've got George Springer, Teos Hernandez, Santiago Espino, Ramiel Tapia, lying in that fold of a 260-270. None of these guys have necessarily been able to go scorched earth in terms of the home runs, but all these guys have power. Matt Chapman, he has been able to slug out 24 home runs. And for the Pirates, right now it's just the Brian Reynolds show. As he's hitting at 252 and has been able to slug out 20 home runs this season, you do have a little bit of help as Redolfo Castro. He's also been able to ride around about a 250 for the team as well. Cabrian Hayes, whatever he's been out there, he's been a little bit banged up. Michael Chavez, Ben Gamble, he's guys hit between about a 242, 245 along Jason DeLay as well. But with the Pirates, not necessarily a lot of power outside of Reynolds. And when it comes to this Pirates bullpen, it has just been expended so much. Recently, you do have a lot of long guys like Manny Benuelos and company that are able to give you a few innings, but I mean, none of them have necessarily been too great other than Chase Young. DeYoung has been incredible for this team. He's been able to post up right around about a buck 80 80 ERA. Credit where credit is due on his front. Will Crow's been able to give you right around about a 3 4 ERA, a little bit of failed start. He's been able to do a solid job, but Miguel Yajur has just never been able to pan out for the team. Dwayne Underwood Jr., he's posting up right around 4 ERA as well. And then take a look at the Blue Jays, and you've had Anthony Bass along with the closer in Jordan Romano, Yimmy Garcia. These are guys that are posting up a sub-3 ERA. Tim Mays has been able to do a solid job. Adam Simber's been a little bit up and down, but I do think that you're going to be able to get some relatively solid innings out of a Blue Jays bullpen that has been relatively solid recently, and I do think that this is a spot in which JT Burbaker does wind up getting lit up a little bit. I do think that there's going to be a tad bit of regression for Ross Stripling as well. Did I'm saying my total at an 8.8? So, looking at the over in this spot, and when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays, was willing to lay up to a minus 127 on the run line, so looking run line and over, and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Vison Family Podcast. A big thanks to Justin Perry over there at Chuck Quality Bets for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you are able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.